Music has been, and will continue to be, a universal language. Everyone on this earth has a song in their heart, and when we hear one on the radio that we love, or at a party, or with our friends, we sing and dance, and we laugh together. The Raisei community is not just a group of friends, it is a family, and they are not an exception to the rule. These are the stories of their involvement with this little thing that we call music. Welcome everyone to another episode of Musically Right. I think this is the seventh episode that we have done, we have recorded. Hopefully we'll continue on after I graduate. And yeah, so let me introduce myself. My name is Maxwell Patton. I am a member of the WWSU community uh, with the radio station. I am a student at Wright State looking to graduate here in about a month. Holy hell. And I'm a lover of music. And the purpose of this podcast is to talk about music and break it down and talk about why we love it and talk about the stories that the community of Wright State has experienced with it. Sitting with me today is... Uh, one of my really good friends from the WWSE radio station. She graduated here a couple of years ago, and absolutely fantastic storyteller. Uh, her name is Alex Moran. Hello, everyone listening. How is it going? Max, how are you doing? You excited to graduate? Yeah, I think it's crazy, though. I'm just excited to be out of school because I've been doing this since... I've I've been at Rice since 2016, even with going you to St. Clair. You and I met so. in 2016. Yep. <laughs> Gosh, that was insane. And you both come a really long way for sure. And li- literally, you have oh, too. Literally, oh yeah. There's <laughs> there's not always metaphors in the sentences, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, you're coming all the way from uh, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, I live in Keystone, Colorado. I live at. Oh, man, what do I live at? 9,300 feet above sea level, so I'm technically a little bit above a mile above most of the average the average place in the country, and it is crazy here sometimes. <laughs> Mountains are a... Mountain life is a real thing. It's a real uh, community sort of thing. But I am really happy for you, Max, with our friendship and all the ways that you have grown and studied and persevered and just gotten back up. It is, it's really great that you uh, included me in this today. Thank you very much. Of course. I remember a couple of years ago, um, when you, when you're at the university, I remember you, you um, were saying something about, you could see me growing up. Like when I was like actually like putting stuff into the bank and it just really hit me. And I remember as well um, us talking about She's Always a Woman by Billy Joel. And yeah. I'm trying to remember what the line was that you mentioned. Um, it was, I know it was near the end of the song. And let's see. I had to Google this real quick. There are so many cool lyrics in that particular song. Billy Joel wrote about, I mean, all his wives, but some of his. Some of the, I forget her name, it was the second wife, really made a positive impact on his 
musical ability to write the songs. It was mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. She's always a woman has lyrics like um, she only reveals what she wants you to see. She uh, never gives in. She just changes her mind. Mm-hmm. Frequently kind, suddenly cruel. Um, the most she will do is throw shadows at you. And I tell was, you what. I was, as soon as, you know, I started participating in young adult slang, like throwing shade, I always thought that's what that lyric was probably about. <laughs> throwing <laughs> shade. Yeah. Uh, so you graduated from Wright State a couple of years ago. Uh, can you tell us more about that and what you graduated with? So I graduated from Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio in 2019 with my bachelor's degree in communication studies. I particularly focused on conflict management styles within relational development. And my goal at the time was to go into counseling or arbitration, mediation, so that I could help people just find the middle ground of compromise. And more than anything... After studying emotional intelligence also within that, I learned that there's never a complete study to be an emotionally intelligent person. Humans are constantly evolving and changing and finding new discoveries within themselves. And it's pretty fun to just continue unraveling within yourself, having that intrapersonal relationship with yourself. And uh, Wright State was super awesome in the communications department. I like the fact that you started out so broadly your first year of school in so many different colleges because of the necessary classes that you were supposed to take. But by the time you were taking upper level electives, there was such a concrete amount of communication students left (laughs) that, you know, hadn't left the university or gone to pursue other things. And Soon it became like a little village, if you will. Teachers just knew your name before they even saw your face. And even though Wright State is a pretty big school, somehow the ones that really stuck it out consistently over the course of four, five, six years, however long that they were consistently at the school, we all really ended up getting to know each other and not in the way of very uh, typical workplace saying, oh, we're like a family. No, you're coworkers. You just spend a lot of time together. And there's a very big difference. You can be friends. You don't have to be a family. Family is where things get complicated. And thankfully, the communications department wasn't exactly like a family, but it, it really was a unit. And it was it was a real honor to be a part of it especially near the end. I mean, I'm very grateful that I've been able to use my degree no matter what I did and any sort of, I mean, we communicate all the time with our bodies and our words and our needs and, uh, you know, animals and over the phone, you're going to use communication every single day, no matter what, all the time. And for that, I'm, I'm really proud that I actually finished and, and graduated with my degree. What are you doing with your degree now? Right now, since the pandemic hit, there aren't a lot of possibilities to grow into my career a little bit further. 
so I'm currently working at a liquor store. However, my personality as I am, I have a lot of regulars and I know people by name. I know what they want to order. And I'm really grateful that like we were voted best liquor store in the County. This is the fifth year in a row that we have won that award, the best of summit. They do this whole big voting competition and we've now won five years in a row. And a big part of why we have won so many years in a row is because we have cultivated meaningful relationships with locals in the community. And even though, no, I haven't been here that long, but I am now a local since I've lived here almost two years. Um, I may not consider myself a local, but I treat everybody exactly the same just so we can get through the process. And mm-hmm. I have now become one of the familiar faces in the area as well. And it's just a good feeling for sure. That's really awesome. So with Wright State, how would you say that being at the university changed your music listening habits and developed them? Well, I would never find new music options if it weren't for other people, first of all. Uh, <laughs> I don't often... I like to stay in such a zone where I know the rhythm and the music and what the song is going to have me feel. But then whenever I would hang out at the station, people playing other music on their show or whatever, I would never find those songs and that artist or what have you, if it weren't for their creativity and what they you know, wanted to bring to the station as content. And I'll admit having like younger siblings, it helps to kind of stay in the loop of like new songs that are happening. But more than anything, it seemed like there was so much undiscovered music from not just my lifetime, but the even before I was born and I would have never found any of it or discovered it if it weren't for people just playing it in the hallway or at a party um, yeah. I remember, um, when you did AM and the PM, gosh, that was, I was AM and the PM for like seven years, I think. Yeah. You started doing that in high school and then you came over to, I I was, I got into the radio program in high school when I was 15 and I was AM in the PM from my very first show on. I never changed it. I didn't feel the need to. I just really wanted to stick with something. And since my initials were AM, if I was doing a morning show, it would be AM and the AM, and then uh, an evening show would be AM and the PM. And my show never had, like, an actual title to it. It was just whoever I was talking about or interested in or had on. And my DJ name was just AM in the PM. I think a lot of people tried to like, like when our old production director was going around making little flyers about whose show was when, I'll admit a lot of other people had an official title for their show and I didn't. And he would just say, this is AM in the PM on Wednesdays. And I'd be like, but it's not. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Go for it. All good. That's fine. (laughs) Oh, wow. 
when you had on you versus yesterday, that was really cool as well. Um, that was one of my favorite shows I've ever done for sure. Yeah. I remember seeing you, um, you were just poke, you just poked your head right outside the glass door. And I think it's cause you had class mm-hmm. in the middle of my show. And then in between you just came on. And then as soon as we spontaneously started doing a live set, totally not planned. And as soon as the music started playing with the delay, that was when like you popped your head in. You were like, Oh my God, you're actually like playing music. And I was like, yeah, I can't believe that we actually just did that. And then yeah. their album came out. I think how many months later? It was like at least six months, maybe seven months later. So I technically got to put on the air an unreleased song. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is still one of my favorite songs on that album, for sure. Uh, me and the lead singer from that band still talk a lot. I was just texting him all day yesterday. Him and his uh, girlfriend are actually going to get married, hopefully, within the next year. And You Versus Yesterday also just dropped a whole other album. The name is escaping me right now. Um, what do they call it? It was. It looks like it's a just you versus yesterday. Yeah, but I mean, I think they were still playing around with a possibility of a name, and I think they were going to call it Hideaway. All right. Yeah. But but yeah, but, um, Hideaway was the first single that they released before the full album. Nice. Did you have any professors with Rice State that really inspired you in terms of music? So she wasn't a professor, but she was the administrative assistant for the communications department. Mm -hmm. She had such a love for uh, Motley Crue and uh, she loves Duran Duran, I think, more than more than anything I've ever seen her love. And I got a real, uh, a real liking for the kind of rock and roll that makes you the kind of rock and roll that makes you think about love in a friendly sort of way about Mm. how you just build a connection with somebody. And even when it gets hard or difficult and it's not a romantic kind of love, she she got me appreciating that kind of music a lot more. That's an, that's, that is really interesting. Uh, that's a good way to think about it too. What would you say have been your um, experiences with music uh, growing up? Like when you're discovering music, um, going into like middle school, high school, that sort of thing, what did you discover? I discovered how awesome Britney Spears is (laughs) when I was in middle school. Um, I was so late to the game of, you know, just feeling all the power of Britney, bitch. Um, (laughs) She... I'm glad that 
I had the chance to listen to the radio when I was with my mother, like in the car. So I would hear some modern songs in the 2000s, but mostly just because I lived with my father and he was kind of an older dad. I listened to things like Phil Spector and the Ronettes and Billie Holiday and Sinatra. Um, Like to this day, one of the most romantic songs that I like to slow dance to is the Paris montage from the Casablanca movie. (laughs) And that was just really, it was almost kind of odd to be listening to music that was so new when I was in middle school and high school. Uh, But it was a good, it was a good time. I loved Rihanna before I loved Beyonce, but I still really had a deep appreciation for like slow instrumental music by the Eagles. How would you go about describing your uh, music taste right now? Well, just like all of us that are a trapped inner 15-year-old, I still (laughs) listen to the songs that I really enjoyed when I was in, like, I would say anywhere from the age of 14 to 20. That six-year range, I, I really just... If I like something, I put it in my library and that was it. And I would listen to it to the point when I just didn't want to listen to it anymore. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a classic. I, I like rock and roll. I like pop. I like R&B. I still like to hear swing and jazz and good old saxophone trump, uh, uh, trumpet music when whenever I'm like cooking or something. But more than anything... Kelly Clarkson was the one that said a good artist is going to just let you feel something in their song, just move you. And that really is a beautiful way of putting, it doesn't have to have lyrics in it and it doesn't have to be this really strong EDM beat, but if it gets you moving and dancing and swaying, then technically the musician has done their part. And that's all I really like to uh, really take away from music is how I feel in this moment. And that's huge with relationships as well. Just human to human contact. People are always going to remember how they felt around you versus, uh, maybe what you said or what you wore. And music has a very powerful similarity to something like that. I completely agree with that. What artists would you say, have uh like inspired you like what artists do you like look up to right now this might seem silly but the weekend <laughs> i don't like look up to him like like a role model but it has been pretty interesting to just see him go through such uh like taylor swift for so long was constantly changing up the feelers of each album that she did. And the weekend was able to have feelers of his own in certain albums based on the point of his life that he was in. And you can see the heartbreak and you can see the, you know, the the slut face happening and you can see just the, the reminiscing of sweet moments. And then you can see the, I'm just trying to have a good time versus 
I'm just having my time. And it's been, it's been really cool to just see how many different kind of feelers he has been able to do, honestly. Like you go between uh, Starboy and After Hours, and that's like a completely different thing. Yep. And then you have a really heartbreaking song like Call Out My Name. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, <laughs> so Starboy, just for a quick memory story, mm-hmm. my first shadow show at the radio station was with our production director, Stacy. And I was just sitting there. I didn't say a word, but Stacy had such flow and such swag when he was behind the mic. And the very first break that he took, Starboy was the song that he put on the air. And for all the years that I was at the station, Starboy was like almost like where my bar of expectations was set. And I mean bar of expectations like, again, we, we, we talked about this earlier about just how you felt in the moment. It had such a nice beginning to it. It almost sounded like bubbles, but the bubbles really pulsated your heart, and it was it was just really cool. That's a good point. Gosh, I think too. Even with the um, going into the Super Bowl and him doing that halftime show this year, and even going into the Grammys, like he absolutely he had no nominations for after hours and he's just like hey i'm gonna boycott this fully support that dude should have gotten some sort of nomination like there's something else um even when you look at the um like a lot of the white artists winning over black artists like for example the heist by macklemore winning over kendrick lamar and macklemore is literally pulling for kendrick lamar to win yeah and that was total bull so many people were upset about that. I remember. Dang. Or even like this year, Billie Eilish saying that Megan Thee Stallion should have won for a uh, sad mm-hmm. It's crazy. to get into our feature topic now second section of the show and that topic is going to be Monda Greens and Misheard Lyrics which you know are basically the same thing so you might be wondering what is a Monda Green I've never heard of this term before well so yes a Monda Green is a misunderstood or misinterpreted word or phrase resulting from the mishearing of the lyrics of a song now this comes from Uh, American writer Sylvia Wright, she coined this term in 1954, writing that as a girl, well, and her mother read to her from Percy's Relics, she had misheard the lyric, laid him on the green, in the fourth line of the Scottish ballad, the Bonnie Earl of Murray, as Lady Mondegreen. That's an interesting way to think about it. Uh, Some famous Mondegreens include, um, the one I said to you earlier, Alex, uh, Purple Haze, for example, people often think, I think even WTUE and Dayton did a joke off of this, uh, excuse me, 
while I kiss this guy is what they think he said. Mm-hmm. But he says, excuse me while I kiss the sky. Yeah. Or another one, uh, Blinded by the Light by, excuse me, Manfred Mann to Earth Band. So it would be, I think it's Blinded by the Light, revved up like a deuce, another roll in the night. And they think it's like, people think it's wrapped up like a douche. That's what I heard for years. Yeah. (laughs) My funniest misheard lyric was for years, the song uh, Tadao by uh, Madiga, Madiga, I believe. Is the one that sings that song. Uh, I thought he was saying uh, just titty. Just titty, titty. And I went, how is this allowed to be played in stores? And any, I, and then I guess one day it came on like a Pandora station of mine. And I, and I was singing it, and I looked at the screen, and I saw the actual spelling, and I went, well, I, I have bad brain. Dirty old mind. Oh, goodness. It's so interesting, too, because when you are young, you don't really know the lyrics of the thing. You might be sit, singing, like, one version of a song, and then you go into it, and, like, you, you grow up, and then you hear it again, and you're like, wait, that's not what I've been singing my whole yeah. life, like you mentioning with that song. Uh, for example, one I've had recently was, um, I think it's called For the First Time by the Script. And okay. the lyric was, uh, drinking old cheap bottles of wine, shit talking up all night. Drinking old cheap bottles of wine, shit talking up all night. Yeah, I'm I surprised always... at that. Yeah. I always thought it said drinking old tea, bottles of wine, sit talking up all night. I did not know it said shit. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where my mind went as well. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't, I don't, I didn't know what shit talking meant. <laughs> and I thought the guy was just saying, sit up talking all night, like with your friends over this breakup, but nope, it was shit talking it up. Oh my! <laughs> and you go into stuff like Tiny Dancer. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. Danza. Everyone yeah, that was like, a pretty iconic uh, Friends moment for Phoebe to be like, that's <laughs> the most romantic song because it's just hold me close to Tony Danza. And Rachel just, really? <laughs> Did one of those. So, Curious, what exactly is the science behind misheard lyrics? <laughs> That's a solid question. Uh, so let's look at something from the New Yorker. This was by Maria Konnikova, published in 2014, and it the article is literally called "Excuse Me While I Kiss This Guy," and uh-huh. has a picture of Jimmy Jimi Hendrix at the Isle of Wight Festival in August of 1970. So she says, uh, hearing is a two-step process. First, there is the auditory perception itself, the physics of sound waves making their way through your ear and into the auditory cortex of your brain. And then there is the meaning-making, the part where your brain takes the noise and imbues it with significance. That was a car alarm. That's a bird. Mondegreens occur when somewhere between the sound and the meaning, communication breaks down. 
you hear the same acoustic information as everyone else, but your brain doesn't interpret it the same way. What's less immediately clear is why precisely it happens. And the simplest cases occur when we just mishear something. Yep. It's noisy and we lack the visual cues to help us out. It can happen on the phone, on the radio, across cubicles, even on our video chat right now. Basically, <laughs> anytime we can't see the mouth of the speaker. Well, actually we can't now, but you know, one of the reasons we often hear mishear well, one of the reasons we often mishear song lyrics is that there's a lot of noise to get through and we usually can't see the musicians' faces. Other times the misperceptions come from the nature of the sound or the nature of the speech itself. For example, right. when someone speaks in an unfamiliar accent or when the usual structure of stresses and inflections changes, as it does in a poem or a song. And what should be clear becomes ambiguous and our brain must do its best to resolve the ambiguity. Yeah, brains are crazy. Brains are a lump of fat that are subject to change so often. (laughs) That's another big reason why I always believed that a big reason why you should listen to your heart, just have your mind follow, Mm -hmm. happens because, you know, the brain... The brain is fat, and then the heart is a muscle. Muscle weighs more than fat, so you should probably take your heart and your brain into account out of anything that you are trying to understand or comprehend. Right. Uh, one other thing. One thing about recently in terms of misheard lyrics. So, uh, do you know the Nickelback song "How You Remind Me"? Yeah. So. Avril Lavigne did a cover of this recently. Um, okay. Which is ironic considering she was literally married to the dude who fronts Nickelback. Yep. And uh, I think it was something about, I had always thought that this dude said, uh, the guy for Nickelback said, little women must have damn near killed you. And... When you hear Avril's version, it makes more sense that living with me must have damn near killed you. What? I guess that does make more sense. But I'm blanking on the part of that song that that comes up in. I don't even remember. Let's see. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. I will I will say, though, the I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling lyrics, or lyric is just so cool. <laughs> that that's a really That is a good one. Um, let's see. Mm, different story. This time I'm listening. I have my Google speaker right here, and I just want to start playing something every time that we have a song that we want to just, like, oh, what's that one part? It's, it's not like you didn't know that. I said I love you, and I swear I still do, and it must have been so bad, because living with me must have damn near killed you. And oh. say that you remind me of what I oh, really I am. am. God. They get so much hate, but they're honestly not half bad. I don't know where all the hate really stemmed from. I'm just curious about it. Uh, have there been any like songs that you've really like listened to that you listened to like a lot when you were a kid and then you like grow up and you listen to it again now and you're just like wait what that's what they're saying 
I stand by what I said. I think that R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Respect song by Aretha Franklin, was not PG-13. I always thought that was about, I want you to have sex with me as soon as you get home. I always, I, I grew up and I went, yeah, just uh, hearing just give it to me when you get home. Something about that, it, it's almost like uh, when the 1975 did the song Chocolate. Like, all they did was replace the word drugs with chocolate. And I replaced the word sex with respect. <laughs> and that's great. Good on her. But I guess uh, that's one of those songs that when I was younger, I would, you know, really sing it, really get into it. And then when I got older, I thought, is there anything else this could possibly mean? I don't know about this one. Even get newer ones, like you were mentioning Taylor Swift earlier, uh, Blank Space. Like, all the Lonely Starbucks Lovers. That was a huge one back, I think, when that came out. I think that was 2014. Yep, Blank Space came out right when I graduated from high school. And that one was a very... Uh, that song was... And that whole the whole 1984 album was very raw, in my opinion. That was... That had to have been a lot of search and find, if you will, within whatever journey and situation that she was going through. Blank Space is one of the most, like, thinker, feeler, mover songs for especially young women that I had heard in quite a while. I like it when she had a way of not really repeating anything, any lyrics other than the chorus that always became like a real story like piece that she could do. Same with uh, her album release last year, uh, Folklore. I, I really, really enjoyed Folklore. And one of the songs on the album was just a song about a house that she bought, but she got a backstory about how the house even got to be on the market anyway. And I'm sure that whoever told her this story mm -hmm. was just going, oh, you'll never believe it. It's so crazy, this couple, and they got married, and then it, she went crazy. And that was the gist of the story. But getting those details, she was able to make such a cool teller piece. And it wasn't even about something really big, but right. it just kept going. And it didn't, and it had a good... Just like a really good joke, a comedian knows how to, you know, bring back around the punchline with the context of the beginning of whatever they were talking about. And she was able to do that in blank space and uh, and the folklore album, in my opinion, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, I was actually looking at the, um, the blank space lyric. And apparently even her mom thought she said Starbucks lovers. That's insane. I mean, the, the, she Which deleted. Which are you talking about? Um, from Blank Space where it's like all, she says got a long list of ex-lovers, but people thought it said all the lonely Starbucks lovers. Oh, <laughs> that's kind that's of funny. Crazy. And even going back to what you were saying about uh, Taylor Swift bringing back stuff for um, from one like beginning of a song to near the end, uh, she mm -hmm. had the same thing on one of my favorite songs that she's done, um, a song called "All Too Well," 
I believe it's off the red album. That was such a beautiful performance when she did that. That was, yeah, that's one of my favorites too, man. Like she mentions the scarf in the beginning and then she brings it back toward the end just to give you that emotional yep. gut punch. Like, damn, it's beautiful. Yeah, I left your scarf there at your sister's house and you still got it in your drawer even now. And then way, way later on, I think she says, um, so, you, but you keep my old, you mail back my things but you keep my old scarf from that very first week. And I always, I I remember when she performed that, I think it was the Grammys. Yeah. When she performed that and she said, it reminds me of innocence and it smells like me. One of the poems that I had personally written, I made it about the fact that I had worn this black dress a couple of times and I'd kind of gotten lost in some moments with, with a guy when I was wearing that particular dress. And in one of those moments where I had like kind of lost myself, I, I ended up getting kind of, you know, heartbroken, kind of hurt. And a poem that I wrote, I made it about that black dress and I started the poem with, I've noticed that people get attached to clothing when a degree of loss has happened. And I only wrote that because I had seen anything between breakups and funerals and anywhere in between. If somebody wasn't around and you wished that they were, I mean, women having a, a, I think it's 8%, 9% more sensitive olfactory system than guys we would smell something to feel the attachment and the emotion back again. Right. So when Taylor said it reminds you of innocence and it smells like me, that's a real raw, like that's something that you just can't really ever. It's not something that you're taught or you phase out of when you smell something and there's a memory attached to it. And then that memory's gone you hold on to whatever the scent is to like continue the memory. And it was genius. It really was. I feel like a lot of Mr. Lyrics have like memories attached to them as well. Like you can just remember singing something. Cause you make it about yeah. whatever you're going through, but yeah. you hear it from their side. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go on to the final segment today. Um, and that final segment is a question or I guess prompt that we ask every single one of our guests. And here we go. Alex, tell us a story about a song that changed your life. Um, I'm really thinking here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, when I was a little girl, my father took me to see a couple of plays and musicals and I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but when he took me to see cats, 
and we got the soundtrack, I really, I was just a little girl, but I really related with the, uh, whatever the cat was that sang memory about how she just really wanted to be, she could reminisce on the past while still wanting to be part of whatever the present was. And Mm. because it was about her looks and how much older she was than the other cats. And that's why she was excluded from things. She made it about feeling instead to be a part of something And she made the line, touch me, it is so easy to leave me all alone with this memory. But if you touch me, you'll understand what happiness is. And a new day has begun. And when I was little, my father has literal footage of me, like, belting this and uh, getting down on my knees and just really uh, like grabbing my chest and shouting the song to the sky. And I didn't even really appreciate the play in the musical that much. I remember. Mm -hmm. But then as soon as I was just in the comfort of my own living room, I really loved that song. And I realized that lookism is a real thing. And when somebody looks physically different than you, it makes it, it's just human nature. We make it difficult to come together because of just differences when in reality we all have arms and hearts and eyes and, and butts and a belly button. And we just, we are way more interconnected than we realize. And I will still sing that song on like my drive home. And I like pretend in my head that I'm going to see my father again. So I like trick him into coming to like some, you know, karaoke thing. And I actually sing that song in front of him. And it's how he like recognizes me again. Uh, But that song memory, just from the musical cats, I didn't like the remake from the movie. It it wasn't Mm -hmm. that good, but uh, just that line. If you touch me, you'll understand what happiness is. It is so easy to leave me all alone with the memory, but look, a new day has begun. And there's so many other parts of that, you know, about being chosen, but you're not even really being chosen for anything. You're just getting acknowledged, recognized, basic decency and inclusion. But that song is such a good rendition of feeling so lonely and it's for bad reasons but you make it about something that is so much deeper within you that's why I love that song that is absolutely beautiful Thanks, man. Um, I know you're talking about a Frank Sinatra song too uh, earlier that's life yeah I really like that song because it just goes over all of the the shoes that we fill, the many hats that we wear. He goes, I've been a a pop a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn, and a king. I've been over and out, up and down, but each time I fall flat on my face, I get 
I get right back up and back in the ring because that's life. And there was some Sylvester Stallone movie where he said something like that too. He was like, life is so not about all the chances that you can take or might take. It's about how many times you get knocked down and you get back up. That's what makes a loser. That just doesn't even try. And I like that Sinatra used, I mean, it was a coincidence that they all started with a P. I don't think it's not a coincidence, but I like the fact that they all started with P's and all the different rankings and purposes and just uh, purposes. I'm just going to stick with that, that each kind of man or woman person could fill those shoes a puppet so it's like someone that's just really not in control of things, a pirate, someone that's just rambunctious, looks out for themselves, nobody else, no really regard for other people's needs. Uh, a poet, so someone that's just trying to be romantic and think good things and be hopeful. A pauper, so just a little lower end of things. A pawn, so getting used and taken advantage of, but you're still in the game. And then a king, just really on your high horse, getting exactly what you wanted. And you've been over and out and up and down. And I know one thing, each time I fell down, I got right back up. And I've been like blasting that in the car sometimes. And I'll be like, that's life. I know that it's early and there's like a foot of snow outside. Just get to work. That's life, bud. And I'm talking to myself saying that, but I'm doing it through just belting that song, of course. It's a really good choice. I didn't write the song. Oh. <laughs> good um, I love just the variety of different songs that change people's lives whenever we ask this question. So we can get stuff from, we've had stuff from Once, we've had uh, EDM with Odessa, we've had White Stripes, that was Trevor's. Nice. Gosh, it's it's so cool. It just really shows how different types of music can, can just affect everyone and just how we're all different and how we all react to it. It's just so cool. Yeah. I mean, your background's such a big part of that. Values mm. and priorities are going to end up changing as we get older but when we're kids and you just feel something your parents and your siblings and your pets and your friends all included in that will influence what brings you joy or sadness or confusion like when my stepbrother keegan was a little boy i think he was like four um the song by Green Day, Wake Me Up When September Ends, apparently that song like made Keegan so sad. And we had no idea. We were just like driving along in the car and suddenly we looked mm -hmm. in the back seat and Keegan just had streams of tears down his face. And we're like, well, what's going on, bud? And he went, And for years, every time he heard that song, anytime it came on, if we could be at a hardware store. And if it came on, he would just stop where he was and just start crying because it was such a sad song. And 
the funniest, right. I could almost picture it in my head. Like when my stepsister was graduating from college in December of 17, we were like putting together the mix that we were going to have going for the party. And <laughs> I could almost see in my head, like, if that song happened to come on, I'm sure my two stepsisters and my stepdad just simultaneously, I could see it in my head, they would just, they would hear it. And no matter what conversation was going on, I'm sure all three of them would just, no! And Keegan would stop and just <laughs> start crying. And, and my stepsister was like, I just don't want that to happen at the party. Okay. I don't want Keegan crying. Just make sure that is not on the playlist. And if it moves you, it moves you. That's a beautiful <laughs> Good thing. Good for him for being so musically intelligent at four. Good for him. My mom's long, one of her longest friends. She said uh, she knew I was an old soul when I had this electric piano and I put on the crocodile rock and I went and I quote, absolutely crazy, just dancing and flailing all over my room. And her, her really longtime friend was like, Alex is going to be fun. She's not going to fit in, but she's going to be fun. And yeah, she was right, I think. <laughs> you know. I want to say thank you so much, Alex, for joining me on today's show. It was a pleasure having you on. It was a pleasure talking to you again. I missed you so it's much. Welcome to be here, man. I, I missed you as well. I I missed so many things about what we had at the station and alone and effort is possible no matter the distance. And you have, you have really shown that and it's awesome. And it's a really good, it's a real string tubber really is. Um, thank you for inviting me on. I'm very happy that we got the chance to do this. Of course. Uh, is there anything before we go that we, that you would like to promote that you're working on or just, in general stuff that's going on I'm still making my one second every day movies I'm very proud of those I know I mentioned earlier that I kind of wish that I was doing my YouTube videos again uh, I'm not going to promise that I'm going to get back into those but all I got to say is if you feel something that is really driving you, go for it. Do the research first, but go for it. <laughs> Follow your heart. It's the best way to put yeah. it. And bring your mind with you. <laughs> Just like put that thing on a leash. I guess. Or at least in a backpack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> uh, well, uh, you can tune in to Musically Right. Um, only on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast. Uh, check out the work of my brother, uh, Jack Padden, who produces this podcast. Um, he's got some great production going here, and he does a lot of electronic production um, and with uh, people who are in the rap genre, especially around here in Ohio and just in general. So 
he he's really talented. Definitely check him out. Um, once again, thank you, Alex, and we'll see you guys next time. Good night, everybody. <laughs>